All right, so the first scripture is our standard weekly one, our Fruit of the Spirit scripture from Galatians 5, through 25. So hear this word from Galatians. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For if we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Andy, you picked a scripture uh, from Nehemiah, I believe, this morning. You want to read that? Yes. Nehemiah. We're going to be reading from chapter 8 in Nehemiah, beginning in verse 1. And we'll skip around a little bit. Beginning in verse 1, we read, When the seventh month came and the people of Israel were settled in their towns, all the people gathered together in the area in front of the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the instruction scroll from Moses, according to which the Lord had instructed Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the instruction before the assembly. This assembly was made up of both men and women, and anyone who could understand what they heard. Facing the area in front of the water gate, he read it aloud from early morning until the middle of the day. He read it in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and everyone listened attentively to the instruction scroll. Standing above all the people, Ezra the scribe opened the scroll in the sight of all the people. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while raising their hands. And they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read aloud from the scroll the instruction from God, explaining and interpreting it so the people could understand what they heard. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. They said because all the people wept when they heard the words of the instruction. Go eat rich food and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions of this to any who have nothing ready. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad, because the joy from the Lord is your strength. And my story is just a portion of a more familiar one from Luke 15. So I'll read verses 11 through 24, and perhaps people will find this one familiar. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. And so he divided his property between them. And a few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. 
I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so we set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And they began to celebrate hear what the spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. I, I told you every time I hear You always cry at that one. I get all the clumped. I can't help it. I love that one. So good. Okay. So, you know, we, we got two separate, we sort of came at this in very different ways again this week. Um, <clears throat> and I'm wondering you know, <laughs> Nehemiah isn't the first place I would go for stories of joy, Andy. Your favorite one? It's not your favorite book? It's not the one that I have bookmarked. So I'm curious, what made you go here? Why'd you pick this scripture for this Fruit of the Spirit conversation about joy? I think ultimately it's because of the question, and we were talking about this earlier, the question that I have that will be one of our questions that we ask everyone after this is the question of, um, can you choose joy? Hmm. Can you choose to be joyful? Because um, this, in this particular circumstance, and, and just to kind of give an idea of the background of what's happened here, this is uh, after the exile. Basically, people have been exiled to Babylon uh, for years and years, and they've been separate from, from their temple, from their city, and uh, forced into a different culture, not allowed to continue a lot of the same traditions that they've had. Um, they can share things orally, but they haven't been able to hear the word from the scroll. And because this is not a, a, a literate culture, it's about 3% of people maybe who were able to read, uh, they haven't had access to this word from God. And so they're, they're hungry for it. And so finally, uh, a number of them are allowed to go back to, to their city. But, but when they go back to Jerusalem, everything's destroyed. Um, the temple is destroyed and they spent all this time just trying to rebuild. And that's Nehemiah, Nehemiah is about rebuilding that. Right. And so finally we get to this place in chapter eight where the scroll is brought forth and these folks who are so hungry for the for a word to to be reminded that God has not abandoned them because that's how they must have felt is completely abandoned by God. Yeah. Uh, they they get the opportunity to hear the scriptures uh, probably for the first time in a long time. So much so that it tells us that basically they were read for like five or six hours straight, and people paid attention. And when they received that, and this is what was really compelling to me, when they received that, all the memories, I imagine all the memories of the way things were, of what they'd, ex what they'd experienced, and all the sorrow for everything that they had been through 
that was their initial reaction is hearing they hear this word it tells us that they they wept when they heard the word and this is this is what uh, Ezra says Ezra says you you need to choose in this moment I get it I understand why you would react this way but here's what I'm telling you go and eat rich food drink something sweet celebrate because this is a reminder that our God is still with us. Choose the joy of the Lord. Even in the middle of these circumstances, choose the joy of the Lord because that is your strength. If we don't, if we stay in the place of sorrow, and I talked about this um, earlier, and I guess it was last week in a video, that, um, that, that grief and sorrow aren't intended to last forever. And there's a, a time to choose joy, to choose to receive joy. And, and joy is a, a gift, actually. Um, it's not something we can force on ourselves, but it's a gift from the Spirit. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote this book, Surprised by Joy, and he describes joy as an unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any other satisfaction. I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever if both were in their power, exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. He says, whereas you can manipulate experiences to our own advantage to obtain what we think will bring happiness or expend great efforts in pleasure seeking, joy is entirely gratuitous. Hmm. You can't earn it, buy it, or deserve it. It is a divine gift to receive rather than a selfish goal to pursue. So the choice isn't to like uh, the old Bobby McFerrin stone. Oh, wow. I'm dating myself. You know, it's not, don't worry, be happy. That's not, it's not what we're talking about. It's, it's a choice to receive even in the middle of moments of, of pain and despair to choose to receive this joy. I'm going to tell um, one particular anecdote. Uh, my family and I attended the protest last, uh, this last Sunday evening here in St. John's. It was incredibly powerful to, to be walking with folks in solidarity um, to protest against uh, uh, police violence against Black people and to chant Black Lives Matter and to be with people of color as an ally and to be um, listening but also speaking out at the very end we walked out in the middle of the bridge and it shut down the bridge for a little bit which is really powerful and we came back and we we're in front of the the old precinct here the police precinct and this uh the woman the uh, african-american woman who'd been leading the entire march she stood in the middle of this circle of people who had gathered and she had the bullhorn in her hand and she just smiled. She smiled this, this big, rich smile. And you could tell she was exhausted, but she also said, I am so, so, so grateful and happy right now. Yeah. I'm so grateful and happy in this moment. And, and you could tell that there was a joy that, that, that it wasn't something that had been forced. It was something she was just receiving in that moment. And that's the way I think that, uh, that, that Ezra is imploring us in this story um, 
and, and I think that um, the, the rest of the text that, that you didn't read from the story that you're going to talk about, what the father says to the other son is basically, this is what we're choosing in this moment, is to celebrate. We're choosing joy in the middle of all this. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that question about uh, choosing it, especially since as we talk about fruits of the spirit, like having access to joy is in some ways evidence of whether God, like you're allowing God to be remain present in your life in an active way, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you don't even have access to joy meaningfully unless you're in tune in that way. And so it is evidence of, and fruit of the spirit. Um, and you can choose it in some ways because of that, which, yeah. is, which is hope giving for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think in my story, um, there's definite choice there as well. And um, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking about where that choice really is. Um, I mean, the, um, the movement between sadness and joy doesn't feel clean to me. Like there've been a lot of times when I've been both things at the same time. And so, mm-hmm. and I think both of our stories actually reveal that, um, that it's possible to be, more, it's more complicated than, am I happy or am I sad? Because they're not the same. Joy and happiness aren't necessarily the same thing. Yeah, joy is, um, well, I, I think it's a, it's a richer fruit, Mm -hmm. um, than, than happiness. And not that happiness, you know, sucks. It's, happiness is great, but joy is something more to it more um substantial to joy uh that's i i think is beyond us i think the word substantial is really helpful it doesn't uh float away just because the circumstances change and um no matter how big and bad those circumstances are i mean you know i in the in the prodigal son story or what is sometimes known as the loving father story i prefer that title so much more um because I think it says way more about God than uh, the other one does. But, you know, it really is uh, one of the most allegorical stories that Jesus tells in Luke. Like, he doesn't do this one to That's why parables are so problematic, right? Like, oh, here's, uh, just when you think you've pinned down who this person is in the story, in the real world, or, you know, in are they God? Are they Jesus? Are they me? Who are they? Then Jesus like flips it. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, that didn't work. I don't like where that ended up. But in this one, it's pretty clear that the yeah. father is God. Right. And, um, when I was reading it this week, I kept thinking like, Oh, the lesson of this story, I've always thought about it as forgiveness mm-hmm. and the power of repentance but really, and, and sometimes when I think maybe in my more uh, creative moments, I've been like, it's a story about grace. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. in, in, in so many ways, this story is just Jesus flipping entirely your, my expectations, and I think all of our expectations for 2,000 years, around God as a God of anger and like, punishment we talked about that last year last week with with love um this like punishment and fear and instead what happens is 
I mean, I love that the son, he like, he preps himself, right? He's like, here's what I'm going to say. I've practiced. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to like really minimize myself. I'm not even going to ask to be his son again. I'm going to ask to be his slave. Just that will be better than what I'm going through right now. And he gets all pumped and then he goes and he doesn't even get to say any of the things because his dad runs across the field to him, which is like so inappropriate culturally, right? Right. He's got to pull up that. I remember hearing somebody talk about how he would have to pull his robe up so his legs show. And that's so not cool. Not supposed to do that. Doesn't care. Starts holding after him. So filled with joy. I love it. He's just so thankful and excited and filled with relief. And I can't even imagine what it'd be like to have your child disappear and not know where they are and like have then and be waiting for them. And then all of a sudden they're back. Like, that I can't imagine what that feels like. And he's so grateful and he's so joyful that he like humiliates himself publicly um, in order to welcome his son, to give him a hug. And if the story just ended there, that would be fine. That would be like more than enough, right? Um, But then he like interrupts his son when he starts to try to like do his script because he's practiced, right? Like he's like, no, 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 dad. I have to tell you the thing that I practiced and I have to like, he like basically misses the moment, right? And then his dad is like, he basically doesn't even say anything more to his son. He looks at his helper and he's like, go make a party right now. Like the biggest, (laughs) it's so great. He won't listen to the apology. his son and being like, Hey, get calf. Let's go. Yes, <laughs> not the right out. timing. No. <laughs> but he's he's so and this is what I was thinking about is uh, he's so filled with joy and delight and this is so clearly the god person in this story. Yeah. That we can't help but think like, oh, this is how god is. Not when we apologize cuz he doesn't care about that. Not when we like act right because we'll find out later from the older son that it's been doing everything right the whole time that he really doesn't care about that at all um like not any of these other things that were like oh if i just do this then no god is just a god of joy because god loves god's children right and wants them to be well and so it wants us to be well. And I was like, oh, this actually, this story is just like a complete repudiation of God is angry. Totally. Human beings. It's just an absolute reversal of that. And the only thing I can think is I have not been giving God enough credit for being a God of joy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like the, I imagine Jesus always like, when I think, when I see him in my mind, he's either like frowny face because he's looking at Peter like he's a dummy or he's like <laughs> laughing super hard, probably because Peter is being a dummy. Um, but that laughter face is always so much more, feels so yeah. much more right to me as a, you know, who Jesus was a little bit chuckle, a little bit like, nah, you guys, you're so fun. Um, but this one, this version of God as just outright, like unwilling, like no holds barred, showing up, doing whatever it takes to show how much love there is for this 
child of of in this story his mm-hmm. um is it's like revelatory to me that that because we're invited into being like that what does it mean for us not that to put ourselves in the son's place but to put ourselves in the father's place because we're invited to be more like god yeah yeah which to me goes back to i mean the joy that the father in your story um, expresses, feels like is all about, is rooted in love. Yeah. In this father's absolute, unconditional, unchanging, unwavering love for the son. Um, in some of my other reading about this this week, uh, I was reminded of John fifteen eleven, and there it says, uh, Jesus says that we rest in God's love. So, and Jesus says, so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And it's the resting in God's love, being so attuned to the love of God that we experience because of the very presence of God within us, this Holy Spirit that's where we can find the completion of our joy. It's deeper. It's more um, in our in our very guts than than temporal happiness. And that's why. And that's to me. That's that's why uh, uh, we get images like the father hiking up his robes and running. And um, I, I think about David you know, dancing naked and just like I don't care. This is how deeply in tune I am to this love that is God that we talked about last week. Um, absolutely. Uh, I, and I have, I have a sense given what you just said that, I mean, next week we'll talk about peace. Mm-hmm. I have a sense that each one of these does call back to the other ones that are before or after it. Um, I'm curious how that conversation will look and where love and joy will come into that conversation because it does seem like, based on what we're talking about, the two at least that we've spoken about too far, so far can't be separated. And yeah. um, they rely and depend on one another. And they are bigger than like the sort of pasty bland version mm-hmm. that we talk about on a day-to-day basis, this much deeper love than I love hot chocolate or, you know, mm-hmm. I love that sweater. Um, and a much deeper joy than, Oh, that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, Oh, my favorite song came on the radio. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That there's, there's something, as you said, substantial and, and nearly permanent, like no matter what, waves of you know sin evil oppression destruction catastrophe god knows we've all got those storms around us and at some point in our lives death uh illness like that my sense as we're talking about these fruits of the spirit is that they remain even even when we're in the midst of those things Um, yeah but we have to Again, there's, I, I, I say yes, and, not but. Yes, and we also have 
practice in order to get that, in order to fully comprehend that and experience that, we have to be practiced in that. Um, yeah. This, I, one other thing that I, I picked up this week was uh, um, one writer that I was reading said, the opposite of joy is not sadness or sorrow, but anxiety. Mm. Jesus encouraged his followers, do not worry about your life. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Consider the joy of the birds and their morning songs or the flowers and their springtime glory. The Lord of the universe clothes creation with such extravagance. Then ultimately we can rejoice in God's love regardless of our circumstances. Mm. So there is depth that even in our circumstances we can experience that, but without some sort of practice to center ourselves in the spirit that produces that level of love, that depth of joy, yeah. we can find ourselves being anxious, angry, under. Yeah. just not in that place because we, so there, again, there's some intention um, that we need to take on, on our part. Yep. In order to, to center ourselves in the, I've been this week, uh, you know, we've been doing that prayer and contemplation class and the, the homework, the two minutes of the Yahweh prayer, just breathing for two minutes. Uh, I've, I've taken that on. And in those moments, in those, just in that two minutes, it's all it is, is two minutes. I sit in my car in the garage before I go over to the shelter and go to work. It's two minutes. I'm centered and reminded I'm trying at least to be centered. And even when I'm not centered because of my monkey mindedness, even the attempt, I find a sense of these, these fruits of the spirit, even in just the effort. Hmm. Well, we want everyone to have uh, the opportunity to practice. So we've got some questions for people. Do you want to read those questions? So, uh, three questions for this week. The first one, what are the differences between joy and happiness? What are the differences between joy and happiness? And the second question, what are some common counterfeits for joy? What are some common counterfeits for joy? Interesting. We didn't talk about that. So I'm no, interested. In but I'm curious what, what people would come up with. Yeah. Uh, and the third one we have touched on quite a bit in the, in this time together is can a person choose joy? Can a person choose joy? So those are the questions for the week and, uh, we hope they'll be life-giving and generate some, some good reflection and prayer for you as you um, move through this time where joy might be a little bit harder to choose actually. Um, we know that it, it's not an easy time to be joyful and we want you to know that, that there, you have some choice in that. There is some choosing that can be done. So with that, I'm going to, I'm going to pray us out. And Andy, I think that you're the singer of the benediction this week. Cool. Cool? Would you like to do That's that? Yeah. Okay. Let me pray. God of joy. Thank you for these stories in which your people 
are in the midst of, of all sorts of circumstances afforded the opportunity to choose deep and abiding joy, the kind that you have modeled and shared with us in so many ways. We ask that you help us practice this, that you give us an extra helping of your spirit this week uh, for us to lean on. And we give you thanks. We do celebrate those moments in which we can see what you can see. And we, we give thanks for Jesus and we give thanks for that very spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. I invite you to sing along if you'd like. Let's give and receive this word of benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance on you and give you, give you, give you peace. Continue to stay home in peace, to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Miss you all. Love you.